Welcome to the Daily Office Lectionary. I'm Father Reed. Today we're going to look at the scriptures from Proper 13. Proper 13. Now we are in the second half of the liturgical calendar, which begins at the end of November or the 1st of December, depending on the number of Sundays in Advent. We go through from Advent to Pentecost. We go through that first year. And then we go through the second half of the year with the weeks after Pentecost, the weeks after Pentecost. So the first one, the first Sunday after Pentecost is called Trinity Sunday. And the last Sunday after Pentecost is called Christ the King. So we're right in the middle. And we are going to look at scriptures for the next couple of weeks from Judges in the Old Testament, Acts in the New Testament after the four Gospels, and the Gospel of John. We're going to begin the Gospel of John, the great Gospel of John, my favorite book of the Bible, uh, this week. So why don't we begin? We are in Judges chapter 6. Okay, what's going on? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy is commonly called the Pentateuch. Penta for five, five books. The Pentateuch. And in the Pentateuch, we have all kinds of extraordinary stories. But basically, we have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Jacob's 12 sons. We have the salvation of God for the Jews in delivering them from a famine and by stationing them in northern Egypt called the land of Goshen. And they did very well there for a long period of time until a pharaoh rose up that put them in bondage. They were there for 430 years. And what happened was Moses was raised up, and all of you know who Moses is, to deliver them out of northern Egypt, deliver them out of bondage, which he did. And after many, many years, they had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years because they did not trust the Lord. Joshua and Caleb did. Remember, we talked about that in Numbers for those of you that have been with me for several weeks now. And he got to the edge of the promised land. And we looked at several chapters in Joshua recently. And Joshua was charged with transitioning from Moses to a new leader, Joshua. He was anointed by the Lord. And he led the Israelites into the promised land, that land that God promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and he took the land. Now, he didn't take it absolutely, meaning he didn't drive out all the nations, but he drove out most of them. And what happened was, is they divided the land they had conquered, and the leaders became the 12, from the 12 tribes of Israel, 12 sons of Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, okay? And the land was divided up. Now, as we read last week in a very important chapter from Judges chapter 2, we found out that the people did not do what God had called them to do, what Moses had taught them, what Joshua had taught them. And they rebelled against the Lord, and they sinned against the Lord. And what happened was, in order to protect the people, once they had gotten into Israel, God raised up what we call judges. And those people were led by God 
to save the people and the areas in the Israelite community, the, the, the different tribes um, of people in the Israelite community. So today we are going to look at several of those people and several of their stories. Now, again, as I like to tell you every week, we're not going to go into detail. We're going to spend a little bit of time looking at Judges, then Acts, then John. And these are some ideas for you to think about as you work through the book. Okay? I'm trying to give you an overarching look at each of the books so you can see the context that they're in. So they're in the land, they occupy it, and God, they sin against God, and then God raises up a judge. Now, Gideon, you, you probably may have heard of Gideon. Look at what the Israelites did. Verse 1, again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of, again, they just kept doing it, did evil in the eyes of the Lord. For, and for seven years, he gave them the hands of the Midianites. There's a, someone that occupied the territory. You did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and your consequence is, I'm going to deliver you into the hand of the enemy. Because of the power of Midian was so oppressive, verse 2, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. And so they did a lot of bad things. And then what did the, the Israelites do? Verse 7, they cried out to the Lord. He sent them a prophet. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. They cried out, we need help. God sends them a prophet. I snatch you from the power of Egypt and from the hand of all your oppressors, which I just referred to, them saving him through Moses. I drove them before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I'm the Lord your God. Do not worship the God of the Amorites. But you have not listened to me. <laughs> you didn't listen to what I have to say. And you've got yourself in a very serious trouble. And you're oppressed. And they're defeating you. And you're in trouble. And so... The Lord raises up a man called Gideon. But Lord, how can I save Israel? My, verse uh, 15, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I'm the least in my family. I can't do anything. But the Lord said in verse 16, I will be with you and you will strike down the Midianites. What did we say about Joshua and the Lord fighting for us? The Lord will fight for you. The Lord is on your side, but you've got to listen to him. You've got to do what he says. You've got to honor the Lord. You've got to trust the Lord. You've got to follow the Lord. You've got to obey the law of the Lord. And he will fight for you and he will protect you. So, Judges chapter 6 is about, and chapter 7 is about the story of Gideon. So read that and enjoy it. And it's a beautiful story. It's a powerful story. Gideon is a very weak person. But God is greater than anyone, and he uses Gideon to save Israel and to defeat the Midianites. Take your time. Read it through. You will enjoy it. Lots of good learning there. Worship the Lord. Remember the Lord. Trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. Let's look at chapter 8. Look at chapter 8. We're looking at 22 to 35. The Israelites said to Gideon, Rule over us, your son, you, your son, and your grandson, because you've saved us out of the hand of Midian. Fast forward, he saves them. But you need to read how that happened. It's a fascinating story. But Gideon told them, I will not rule over you, nor will my son rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. That's what we call a theocracy. 
And we're going to see later on in the book of Samuel that the people want a king to rule over them instead of the Lord, which is a whole nother thing. So Gideon would not rule over them, and they wanted the Lord to. Look at verse 33 of chapter 8. No sooner had Gideon died than the Israelites again prostituted themselves to the Baals. How soon we forget. They set up Baal Barith as their God, and they did not remember the Lord their God, who had rescued them from the hands of their enemies on every side. They also failed to show gratitude to the family of Jerub Baal for all the good things he had done for them. That is Gideon. It's amazing how quickly it takes people to change their minds. The story of Gideon is the story of many people's lives where they, the Lord, they cry out, the Lord blesses them, then they return back to their old ways and they're back to where they started again. And they did not learn the lessons from the consequences of not following the Lord. Follow the Lord, people. Listen to his voice. Do what he says. Chapter 9, on your Friday and Saturday readings, is about Abimelech, another leader. And so uh, I will leave you with uh, Abimelech. Look at verse 56, which is pretty strong. God repaid the wickedness that Abimelech had done to his father by murdering his 70 brothers. I say, oh my gosh, how did that happen? Well, read chapter 9. God also made the men of Shechem pay for all their wickedness. The curse of Jotham, son of Jerubbaal, came on them. So chapter 9 is um, not a positive chapter. But what's so great and amazing about the Bible is it's not trying to cover up these people. It's showing them exactly what it is. He's showing us wonderful people that listen to the Lord and do what he says, Gideon, and then there are people that don't do what God says. What a contrast between Gideon and Abimelech. So enjoy that reading and think about um, the importance of obedience to the Lord and honoring his name and listening to him. Now we started the book of Acts last week. The book of Acts is 28, cha 28 chapters. It is an, a phenomenal book of the exploits of several leaders and the church, of course, after the resurrection of Christ, which we see in Acts chapter 1. So we go to Acts chapter 2, and remember, Acts chapter 2 is where the Holy Spirit comes down, and Peter preaches this amazing message. And in Acts chapter 2, 37 to 47, the people heard it and said, Brothers, what should we do? And Peter says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and all who are far off, for all whom the Lord your God will call. And so the people repented. So what happened is the Holy Spirit came down, as I said last week, um, again, when we look at Acts chapter 2 and the day of Pentecost. Um, and then Peter gets up and has this startling message, this amazing message at 9 o'clock in the morning. And he delivers a message from the Old Testament and from the revelation that God has given him. The people say, what shall we do? And they are baptized. And many accepted the message, and 3,000 were added to their number on that day. So this is a tremendous miracle of the church. That's the end of chapter 2. Chapter 3, we have a very important miracle. 
Peter and John, this is Peter and John from the disciples, were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, three in the afternoon, verse one. Now a man crippled from birth was gathered to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money, which was something he would have typically done. Peter looked straight at him, and as did John, and Peter said, look at us. The man gave him attention, expecting to get something from them. And Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Walk. And he did. And Peter spoke again. Remember, he spoke in Acts chapter 2. So he speaks again. He speaks on what happened. He talks about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, which I refer to in Judges. Verse 13, the God of our fathers has glorified his servant Jesus. He said in verse 15, you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is in Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given his, this, completely, this complete healing as you can see. So what is he doing? He's doing it again. Miracle happened. He's sharing the, the interpretation of what God had done. And he's speaking to the people. So the miracle in Acts chapter 2 is the Holy Spirit coming down, the tongues of fire, speaking in other tongues. Power of God comes. He's interpreting that, speaking from the scriptures and call them to, calling them to repentance. We have the miracle of the crippled beggar. He walks again. Nobody could have done that but God. And then he says again in verse 19, repent and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. So he's being evangelistic. He's not only teaching theologically the truth, that is the doctrine of the faith about what happened, but he's calling them to repentance. This takes us to John, uh, Acts chapter 4, where Peter and John go to the, before the Sanhedrin. Now they're asking him questions, okay? They seized Peter and John in verse 3. They, because it was evening, they put them in jail. Many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew to about 5,000. So it's a burgeoning movement. The next day, they met in Jerusalem. The rulers, elders, teachers of the law. Annas, the high priest, was there. Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the other men of the high priest family. Verse 6, they brought Peter and John in them by the power of what name did this man get healed? Well, I mean, how did this happen? Peter was filled with the Spirit. That's what you want to be. You want to be filled with the Spirit so that God can speak through you. Rulers and elders of the people. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, God raised him from the dead, that this man stands for you completely healed. God healed him. We are testifying to that. Now he's telling the, the leaders about this. All right? Salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Jesus' name is the only name. Acts 4.12, a very famous verse in the scriptures. Well, they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men. Verse 13 they were astonished and they took note and they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and they conferred and they called them in and they commanded them not to speak or teach. Uh, we don't want you speaking or teaching anymore. They said, judge for yourself whether it's right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. Verse 20, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. And so through the 
the rest of chapter 4, we see more preaching. We see the power of the community. We see the believers united in heart and mind. We see the power of the Holy Spirit moving in them. And finally, in Acts chapter 5, we have Ananias and Sapphira, who, as you read verses 1 through 11, had an extraordinary thing happen to them. They were both killed because of their disobedience. They were both killed for their disobedience. Read that amazing scripture in chapter 5, 1 through 11. So, in the book of Acts, we have these wonderful stories of God moving and dealing with people and dealing with leadership and dealing with the people of God and dealing with people that don't know God as the message of Christ, who is now resurrected, ascended into heaven, and seated at the right hand of God. As he's seated at the right hand of God, the Spirit goes out, Acts chapter 2, and the Spirit begins to move among these people and do great things. Well, as I said earlier, my favorite book of the Bible is John. I believe it is the most profound book in the entire Bible, and I've loved it my whole life. And so now I have the privilege of just sharing it and walking through it with you as we look at chapter 1 and chapter 2 today. Now, the first 18 verses are what we call the prologue. It's an extraordinary text, a really extraordinary text. Nothing is like it in the Bible. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So we go all the way to the beginning, in the very beginning, the Word. Who is the Word? Verse 14, the Word became flesh and dwelt for a while among us. The Word, of course, is Jesus. And Jesus is this eternal person in the Holy Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Holy Trinity. And he comes down among us. And what John is going to share is the story of him coming down among us, why he came, and what he did in his life, and how he saved us from our sins. And so John's prologue is very profound. Now, in that teaching in John chapter 1, we transition to John the Baptist, who is Jesus' sixth-month-older cousin. Remember, Luke chapter 1, Zechariah and Elizabeth had John. And, um, of course, Mary had Jesus six months later, conceived him six months later. Luke chapter 1. All right. Are you the Christ? Are you Elijah? Are you the prophet? They asked John the Baptist, chapter 1. No, I'm just the voice of the one calling in the desert, Wait, make straight the way of the Lord, Isaiah chapter 40. He is the one who comes after me, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. I can't even, I'm so low on the list, and the lowest person is the person that unties somebody's sandals and cleans their feet. I'm lower than that. The next day, John saw Jesus, verse 29, coming to him. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. This is the Son of God. The first disciples meet him at the end of chapter 1. What do you want? Verse 38. They said, Rabbi, where are you staying? Come and you, see, and you will see. I love that invitation. It's a simple invitation in John 1. Come and you will see. Follow Jesus and you will see. He's not going to tell you everything at the beginning. It's a long journey. It's a lifelong journey. And when we pass from this life to the next, the journey continues. Okay? 
I hope all of you are on that journey following Christ. We have found the Messiah. Verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to them, follow me. Follow me. And so, and then Philip says, come and see. Nazareth, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Nathaniel says, come and see. There's that come and see again. I love that. And so we see the beginning of this journey with Jesus in chapter 1. In chapter 2, we have the famous miracle of changing water into wine. And one of my favorite verses of the Bible is chapter 2, verse 5. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. If you wanted the simplest explanation of following Christ, I'd say do whatever he tells you. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. But you have to do two things. You have to hear him and listen for his message to you, and then you've got to do it. Okay, It's not enough just to listen. And if you don't listen, you certainly can't do anything. This is why we're reading the Bible and we're having this daily lectionary weekly, is that you and I are reading the scriptures so we know what to do, and then we pray for you and me that we do whatever he tells us after we've discerned what it is he wants us to do. Okay? And then he clears the temple at the end of John chapter 2. And um, we have the wonderful scripture at the end of John chapter 2. It says, while he was in Jerusalem, this is 23 to 25, at the Passover feast, many people saw the miraculous signs he was doing and believed in his name. Okay, that makes sense. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all people. He did not need a person's testimony about another, for he knew what was in us. He trusted his Father, ultimately. He ministered to you and me. He ministered to us human beings, but he did not trust us because he knew what we really were made of. And we'll later see that as we work through these scriptures together. And so what we have before us this week, I hope you have a wonderful week of study and reading and prayer. We have the book of Judges, two great figures, two important figures, Gideon, very positive, and Bimelech, not so positive. Acts chapter 2, the beginning of Peter's ministry, and then John in this tremendous miracle in chapter 3, in the first part of chapter 3, and then their response to it and how they're going to respond. And then uh, the beginning of the great book of John, the first chapter, the prologue, and then what does John the Baptist think about Jesus? And then Jesus calls his first disciples in their encounter with him, come and see the um, wedding at Cana and God's, uh, Jesus' uh, amazing miracle in turning water into wine. Do whatever he tells you, Mary tells us. And then finally, uh, he has a tete-a-tete with uh, the uh leaders when he clears the temple uh, and uh, he has some very strong words to say about that. So we've begun our journey with Jesus and John. We've begun our journey with the early church in Acts and now the people of Israel are finally together, all together in Israel. We begin that journey too. God bless you and we'll see you next week for the Daily Office Lectionary.